Welcome to In Transition, a program dedicated to the practice of content marketing in government. Here's your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name's David Pembroke, and welcome back to In Transition, the podcast that explores the practice of content marketing in government. This week, we'll talk social media with Richard Spencer, the head of digital for Icentia, Australia's largest media monitoring agency with loads of clients in government. And Richard is also the head of Two Social, which is Icentia's specialist social media agency. But before we come to Richard, we'll start with the definition as we do each week about content marketing as it relates to the practice of communication in government. Content marketing is a strategic business process that involves the creation, curation, and distribution of useful, relevant, and consistent content in order to meet the needs of a specific audience in order to achieve a desired citizen or stakeholder action. So as I said, our guest this week is Richard Spencer. He joins me now from Sydney. Richard, thank you very much for being in transition. Yeah, my pleasure. Richard, before we jump into the your views on social media in government and content marketing in government, I th- wonder if you might be able to give us a little bit of the, the backstory of where you've come from, what you've done, and how it is that you are now running social media for an organisation as large and as influential as I sent you. Absolutely. Well, I, st- I started my career in, in social and digital marketing, actually in traditional marketing, um, too many years ago to mention, and probably in the late 90s as the internet was starting to become a thing for organisations organizations began a transition toward digital marketing rather than the more traditional sphere um, and I have worked in a range of different um, organizations uh, around the world within the context of digital marketing until social media started to become a thing probably about five years ago now for organizations here in Australia and made a bit of a transition through into that space. And in terms of that transition what lured you towards working in social media? Um, I think it was the extension of what I liked about digital marketing originally in that, that it closed a lot of the, the gaps between um, between the marketing team and and the customer and social media took that one step f- further and took all um, all the kind of agents and middlemen out of the equation and made the, the, the connect, connect, connections and connectivity between marketing communications and related conversations absolute. So having now been involved in social media and content marketing with government for a number of years now, what's your view on how mature the practice is in government at the moment? Um, I think the practice in government is as mature as it is realistically across the board from a commercial perspective. I think that there are a couple of excellent examples in both the public and private sector of organisations using social media to derive significant results. But in the most cases, I would suggest that in both private and public sector, um, we're still in an early adoption phase for social media. And in terms of that, uh, the, the barriers that are keeping us in that early adoption phase, what do you see as the challenge uh, for organisations to adopt social media and content marketing in order that they can be more effective in their communication with citizens? I think there are a couple of different things, not least the, the speed of change within the context of the channel. Um, like we, uh, as in common with with you know, everybody who works in the space, we spend quite a lot of time 
trying to stay up to up to pace with what's new, what's happening, what's interesting, what's developing, what could be the next big thing. And and we find it very hard to stay in touch with all of that all the time. So if you also have a day job to do inside a client, a client or, or a larger organisation, I get that it's really hard to keep pace with that. Um, that sometimes can can limit thinking because thinking within the context of organisations is hard to stay uh, pace with current current developments. So that that's certainly a factor. Um, not least, the, also the ability for organisations to be honest in terms of what they what's an interesting conversation to have with an audience. Because um, I think it's all well and good for organisations to carve out what they like to talk about. Um, most organisations find it a bit more difficult to try and relate that into a conversation by determining what their audience might like to talk about. So it's um, th- that can be a limiting factor for sure. So when you're having these conversations with clients and sitting across the table and trying to explain to them you know, th- the latest innovation, the latest change to technology, be it mobile or be it increased broadband speeds, what are the sort of basics or, or the basic elements of you know, effective content marketing, effective social media marketing that you try to impart to them to give them the confidence that now is the time to start and that waiting for perfection is really never going to arrive? Yeah, that's a really good point. The, um, uh, we, we, I mean, we would try and take jargon out of the conversation as much as possible and try and equate both social media marketing and content marketing back to it's kind of you know, intrinsic levels, which effectively is just it's just having a conversation with somebody. For, for me, social media is the, is the facilitation of the conversation. Content marketing is the topic. So if you can kind of get it down to um, the, the intrinsic value, sometimes it's a bit easier for people to get their head around. I think we, we as marketing communications professionals quite like a bit of jargon. But if we can take that out of the mix and make it um, simpler for executives to understand, quite often that is um, uh, that, that can certainly help people understand the opportunities. Do you think that people are really coming to a, a lot faster now through this early adoption phase that you mentioned because of the change of practice in communication that they're seeing outside of their jobs? For example, in the way that their children perhaps may be using it or the way they may be engaging with brothers and sisters, friends and relatives and others? Yeah, it's, um, it's an interesting dynamic in that sometimes I think that can be a benefit and sometimes it can be a hindrance. And it can also add to the, the problems with regards to speed of change. So if you look at a, um, if, if you if you're talking to, to an executive with teenage kids, the way that they will interact and use social media, and in fact the channels they will use to communicate with one another, are distinctly different to the ones that realistically most organisations are ready to actually engage through. Um, equally, the speed of communications and the instant gratification requirement for an individual using a social channel is again very difficult for organisations either proactively or reactively through customer service channels is something that most organizations are going to find it hard to react to if, if it's not appropriately resourced. So I think it can it can help in the right circumstances, but equally it, it, it can provide or it can extend the fear of what those barriers to entry may well look like from an organizational perspective. Um, equally, um, as we get our head around some of these things personally, organizationally, that things shift and change. So if you, even if you take Facebook as a good example, um, the way that it the, the organization that particular application engages with brands and organizations versus the way it engages with individuals make the two actually quite a different experience um, and so if you're bringing only a, an individual experience to the table sometimes you have to kind of relearn that particular application or that particular channel before you can look for organizational benefit if we accept that there is an inevitability around this change in communication that really you know the adoption rates of smartphones are such that 
everybody is on the grid and really the challenge is how do you activate that connection and therefore create the relationship to build the trust that then allows you to either you know market the benefits of a policy or a program or introduce the details of a regulation where do you see that tipping point coming if in fact it is going to come but what's going to be the tipping point that really takes us past that early adoption phase that you've identified and into the uh into the earlier stages of of the curve that's an excellent question um I wish I had an excellent answer for you. The, um, the, 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 we should really already be at that tipping point, in, in my opinion, where it's, it's carving social media content marketing out and kind of developing strategies and different alternatives in, in isolation from other communications or customer service channels is a bit of an anathema anyway. So we should realistically already be there. 75% of all new phones sold in, in smartphones, new mobile phones, for example, sold in Australia are smartphones. Um, the, the opportunities to communicate in that dynamic are many and varied and most organisations aren't really picking up on them. Um, I think that, oh, I really honestly don't know what, where, where that tipping point will come and what it will look like, but um, arguably we're already past it. So then it's going to be a, where do we, how do we shake off the lethargy and change the way that we think and change the way that we communicate and change the nine to five mentality of the way we communicate and stop thinking Monday to Friday and start thinking seven days a week. Um, some of that may well be driven by the individual rather than the organisation. So it is possible that the tipping point may well be that organisation we get dragged in kicking and screaming whether we like it or not. Um, sad to think that that might be the case, but it may well be. Well, I think, yeah, I, t- I tend to agree with you that you know the pain is going to have to come before a lot of people move, but move they will. There's nothing more, there's nothing more certain than that. But when they do move, just going back to an earlier answer that you, that you gave... How then do you give people uh, the awareness that the conversations that they're going to be involved in are not so much going to be about what they want to talk about as much as they need to be about what their potential audience wants to know about and wants to hear from them? So managing that shift from this is what we want to tell you to what do our audience want to hear? How do you go about managing that transition? Yeah, and I think that's the difference between excellent content and banal content. And I think it's really, realistically for me, it's the difference between an organisation that grasps the logic of content marketing versus one that's using the phrase because it's it's the latest phrase to use. Um, for me, it's it's for us as an organisation, we spend quite a lot of time workshopping that process through with organisations as we work with them to 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 go from the kind of broadcast hierarchical view of, of, of communication messaging and or content to one that is much more collegiate in terms of using and work to, to spread that for you. And I guess working through with an organisation to, to help them develop the understanding that if they're using um, a social channel of any description or content marketing at a, at, a, at a base level, if that content isn't being networked and shared for them, they're really not using um, the, the real power behind the channel they've selected. So it's guess getting people through the process of understanding how that works what what works better and what doesn't work and 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 breaking down core messages that the organization would like to communicate into how that message would be interpreted by an audience and what elements of that message by what audience type are actually more likely to be interesting usable consumed engaged with and shared rather than the ones that the organization is more comfortable producing and i think the the huge swathes of of content are are effectively 
so uninteresting as to be realistically just produced for the board of directors rather than the audiences they're aim, being aimed at. So can you give us some examples or best practice examples that you have been involved with in government clients where you are seeing some you know, really innovative, thoughtful, clever uh, engagement uh, with with citizens by particular government agencies. We weren't involved in this particular example, but it's one we've used a number of times to, to illustrate how how simple it is to do in many respects. And that's with um, it's an example from the, uh, the the census Twitter account from the ABS, so part of the Australian Bureau of Statistics. They they they're very good. At, it's a very good Twitter account anyway. It's very interesting. Um, how they ingratiate statistics that the vast majority of us aren't interested in into into relevant conversations and contextual conversations that allow that statistic to be more interesting. So by way of example, one of the ones we use is around um, the Channel 7 television show House Rules. And a couple of years ago, the, the census jumped on the fact that the, um, the winner of that particular show, the, the prize for the winner of that particular show is to have their mortgage paid off. And so when the first winner was announced a couple of years ago, or the first couple who won that were announced a couple of years ago, census jumped on and kind of tweeted using hashtags and associating themselves with the show, how many other people in Australia live without a mortgage, which is just short of 2.5 million people, which is a stat I only know because the census did a really good job of ingratiating that into conversation. So I think there's there are the ways of, of, of making information relevant and contextual without going hugely out of your way if from an organizational perspective you start to think about what information you want to communicate and when people want to talk about it and what was particularly good about the example that i just gave you was that it was um eight o'clock on a tuesday night when the winners were announced by channel seven it was 12 minutes past eight on the same night when the census bureau were involved or ingratiated themselves into that conversation um, I think many organisations would, would begin to identify that at around nine o'clock the next morning, got back to work, you know, a good 13 hours too late, effectively. And I think it's some of it's about timing, but most of it's about relevance and context. And I think that's a pretty good example from the public sector of an organisation that, that thinks around relevance and context as much as what it wants to communicate itself. It's a long journey, really, isn't it, from where a lot of communications organisations within government are set up, you know, very much set up for engaging with what is the, you know, a traditional media cycle, uh, servicing a minister's office, the approval processes that are in place uh, to this new, you know, real-time, just-in-time newsroom mentality of being able to move quickly and to be able to meet the needs and to be able to capitalise on the context that you just outlined. How, how do you manage that journey? How do you start people from moving from the left-hand side to the right-hand side? And what sort of advice could you give to people as they're starting to think, look, we know we've got to move, we know we've got to change, but you know, what are some of the simple steps that we can take which are going to help to build confidence in our senior executives that we can actually take on this opportunity and create real value for the people who we're seeking to serve? I think the first thing, it's the first thing for me, is certainly around trust, and and there are a number of organisations, public and private sector, around Australia who just don't trust or don't seemingly trust the people who work for them. And if you can't, I mean, with realistically, if you can't trust the people who work for you, you're in a pretty tough space when it comes to social media marketing. Anyway, um, we still hear lots of examples in the public sector of organisations where there is no access to social channels, for example, during working hours, which which is ridiculous. In, in, in the most case, anyway, on the basis that everyone's carrying their social access around with them in their pocket or their purse or their wallet or wherever they keep their smartphone. So 
And the productivity argument of not giving people access to a desktop is kind of destroyed by the fact that most of us are using a smartphone to access these channels anyway. So that's the first, I think that's one of the first big issues that the public sector needs to address is actually trusting everybody who works for the organisation. Secondly, I think there's a very honest appraisal of where the organisation is currently at with regards um, their comfort to having a conversation. And I don't think it's, um, it seems to be an all or nothing mentality when it comes to social media to a certain extent within the public sector. Either we need to leap in with both feet and just smash straight into there and start our chat roulette, um, start our, you know, our chat roulette conversations and see how we go, or literally nothing at all. And I think there are clearly a number of steps between those two extremes that organisations can use to kind of work themselves through a learning curve. So I think that the, a genuine assessment of where the organisation is in terms of their ability to communicate and converse with stakeholders is a great idea. And then a, and a rolling plan as to how that can be that, that can be improved if improving that has a real organisational benefit attached to it. And it is that connection, isn't it, of being able to uh, tie the output of your content marketing, social media marketing to a particular business objective that is likely to get the attention of the higher-ups who can then understand, oh, okay, we've now got X number of people who are either signed up to an email newsletter or that they are uh, spending more time on site or they're downloading some of the assets that we're creating. Do you see that, that, that measurement is really the path to trust? Yeah, I think it could certainly help. And I think one of the things that drives measurement is the fact that um, one of the one of the curses going back a step of social media is that it's ostensibly it's been seen as a free medium for a long period of time. Um, that dynamic is clearly changing and it's, it's anything but it never has been free, but resources is becoming much more a resource intensive channel. That's, that's making most organisations um, develop much more robust monitoring and measurement techniques to determine whether or not the, the, the resources they're applying to the channel are working as well as they might to any other um, advertising, marketing, HR or customer service channel they're using. Um, and, and absolutely, that begins to make it a much more serious conversation. Um, the the other thing about that is, it, as you start to spend more money, or you overtly spend more money on a particular channel, it has to actually deliver against a core objective rather than a who's clicked a like button objective. And I think you're absolutely right that that if these if these techniques and, and channels don't drive a, a, a organisational imperative, they're absolutely pointless. Um, and so associating them back to essentially what the organisation is trying to achieve in the real world is the only reason you would use any particular digital channel. Also, there is that need really for a new set of skills, a different set of skills. So how do organisations go about acquiring, you know, the skills within their communications teams so as that they are able to be more accountable and more effective with the, the time that they're putting into their communication? Yeah, I think, funny enough, I think we actually all have these skills. It's just whether or not we choose to use them. I mean, with the best people in the world if you're in a marketing and communications role and you'd find it hard to have a conversation with somebody you're arguably in the wrong role anyway um and again we we, we dress these things in in i mean realistically using social media well is having a conversation um and the, and the accounts and channels that do it best organizationally or individually are, are approachable human um realistic uh, well-structured well-thought-through basic conversations um, and the ones that don't are, are kind of corporate messaging that, that is too stilted and too formal and, and unrealistic. So I think we actually have, we intrinsically within the context of marketing communications probably have these skills. Um, whether we choose to use them or we're too hamstrung by the way we've worked previously is a, is a you know, different argument, I guess. But do, we also, but do we have the skills, though, to contain our activity into a strategic framework, perhaps, 
that sort of provides the coherence that these sorts of programs need to be effective? Um, I, it would be an organisation by organisation question. I think we should have. What we might not have is the, is the framework. Um, we might not have the paddock to play. And I think that's the, that, that might be the question that organisations can kind of get their head around. You know, where do, where do we give people freedom to actually have these kind of conversations? And we have, we have these conversations quite regularly with organisations, the dynamic being like we want all of our people involved, but we don't actually really want all of our people involved. We want them actually getting out there talking about us, but we don't really want them saying too much. Um, and, you know, it's very difficult to have your cake and eat it within the context of those conversations. Yeah. All right, Richard. Well, thank you very much for spending some time with us in transition. I think lots of insights there. I think really for mine, you know, the key insight, particularly for someone like Richard, who is working day to day with lots of large organisations, is that we are really only at the beginning of the journey of introducing effective content marketing and effective social media marketing into government agencies. There is such a long journey ahead of us. It's an exciting time. It really is an interesting time. And I I think the change is going to happen fast. We were trying to identify and see where that tipping point is. Richard thinks maybe it's come and the surge is going to, to follow very quickly. I tend to agree with him. I think we're starting to see that the insights are really penetrating and people are starting to understand just how important getting those conversations onto the screens of people are as we have moved from a an era of, of deference to a, an era of reference. Seth Godin refers to it as the connected economy and the way information now moves side to side. It doesn't move up and down. So how are we as communicators in government going to get our, our stories about our policies and our regulations and our programs into a form that's going to get them onto the screen? How are we going to earn that very scarce attention of our audience so that they will consider us amongst the the millions and millions of choices that we now have. Exciting time for communicators, great time to be in transition. And Richard Spencer of Icentia, thanks very much for spending some time with us today. My pleasure. Thanks very much. You've been listening to In Transition, the program dedicated to the practice of content marketing in government. For more, visit us at intransitionpodcast.com.au.